0: The Athletic.
1: Totally football show, European edition. Today, Cologne Wars. Bundesliga returns with Baumgart's side hitting seven in a massive scoring round of matches. Old Lady Gaga. Juve hit by a 15-point penalty, we attempt to explain. We've aired of easy news, what happened in the Coupe de France when Paris Saint-Germain faced a team featuring their own ultras, and in La Liga, how some hot grease and de made the table look better for Atleti. It's all coming up in this Totally Football Show. All right, Tuesday the 24th of January, good times, ahoy! As we bring you a brand new Euro show, with our favourite Euro crew, that's Alvaro Romeo, Julian Laurent, James Horncastle, and very special guest this week, Raphael Honigstein. Woo!
2: Hello. Woo!
1: He's back, everyone. How are you feeling, Raph?
2: I'm good. Bundesliga's back. I'm back. Baby's got back.
3: Yeah, he had 69 days break, so better be on form. <laughs> 69 break. Wow, that's
1: a lot, isn't it? Hey, listen, we shouldn't hang around, because James Horncastle, you've got a deadline to make, haven't you?
4: Well, I'm sure we all have, but yeah, I have I have to go through 500 pages of Italian
2: jurisprudence. So, um, oh, if right. we can, you know.
3: All right. Can't wait to read, that.
2: Nothing to see.
3: Yeah,
1: move along. <laughs> move along. <laughs> um, all right, well, we might touch on that very topic, see if we can give you a few pointers. Uh, <laughs> oh, but great, first, thank you, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> first, let's... Um, Let's check on your moments of the week, stroke weekend.
3: Julien. My moment of the weekend, James, happened on um, on Sunday evening before the, the PSG-Pays uh, de Castel uh, game in the French Cup. They made the draw before the last game and the draw got Marseille and PSG facing each other in the next round. So if that was,
1: PSG could get past sixth tier Pays de Castel. they
3: did. So the, my moment of the weekend was like another classic on the horizon.
1: All right. Is Peter Cassel, is that like your French cousin, James?
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. him and, and Vincent Cassel, yeah.
2: Right, right, yeah. <laughs> okay. OK. Oh, oh my
3: God. That is so bad. It took me that long to understand it. This is terrible. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> so the draw, the draw, anyway, is the fact that Marseille and PSG are together in the next round. What round is that of the Coupe de France? It
3: is the last sixteen. Uh, okay yeah last 16 so was that that was a
1: big moment anyway them getting drawn together
3: yeah because it's another classic and three Mm -hmm. weeks later they will play another classic at the Velodrome in the league this time so we'll have two Marseille PSG in the space of three weeks
1: woof excellent Rafa bet you've got some moments of the week haven't you
2: I've got loads James Um, I think for romantic or maybe that's the wrong word emotional reasons we have to picked the 62nd minute of Bussy Dortmund's game against Augsburg. Seven goals in that game. Um, a lot of goals could have been the moment of the week, but I think it was actually Sebastian Allaire coming on in front of the yellow wall, Goosebumps all around, sending ovations. It's just a wonderful story of a player who suffered from testicular cancer, had two bouts of chemotherapy, and here he is back on the pitch and looking really good. It's just uh, great.
1: And wearing very special boots as well.
2: And wearing F.U. cancer boots. Mm, Indeed. James
1: Horncastle, Moment of the Week. End.
4: Well, let's go for something nice, because on Monday night, one of the top teenagers uh, in Serie Tommaso Baldanzi, um, scored the winning goal for Empoli, away at San Siro against Inter.
0: Ancora Bayrami, il pallone scaricato, la conclusione, goal! L'Empoli have in vantaggio proprio con Baldanzi.
4: Baldanzi has scored four times this season. Um, He's, I think, the third youngest player to score that many goals in Europe's top five leagues. The other uh, ones are Mukoko and uh, Jude Bellingham. So uh, we've gone from a Dortmund story essentially to another one. But Empoli had not won it for, I think, 19 years. Um, Liam Henderson starting that game uh, as a Regista. And. just makes things better and better for Napoli. You know, as if uh, Juventus's points deduction wasn't already enough, um, to see Inter, um, who you kind of beat them uh, on the first game back in 2023, drop more points um, is uh, it's just fantastic. So everything lining up for Napoli.
1: We'll touch on some of the issues here a bit later on, but have there been suggestions that Inter... Who had a red card for Scrinia, and what potentially is his last game before a move to, to to Paris? That they might have been a bit pooped for this game after their lengthy trip to Riyadh and back for the Super Cup last week.
4: Well, the reaction um, was uh, kind of very Roykinesque in some of the TV studios uh, in Italy, in that uh, did they celebrate too much um, this little trinket that is the Super Cup? Um, were they carried away? And you know, Inzaghi had to defend himself and his players from that by saying, look, uh, we thought our celebrations were actually really restrained. In terms of Skriniar, yeah, Inzaghi's got criticized before for taking players off on yellow cards, even in the first half. Um, And uh, I think that was maybe on his mind when Skriniar got booked early and he thought, you know what, I'm not going to take him off. I'm going to stick with him and instead... He gets sent off after, what, 40 minutes for a crazy lunge. Um, and so, Inzaghi kind of feels like, I can't win. You know, I'm criticised if I take him off. I'm criticised if he gets sent off. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, with up, as Jules will know, uh, PSG were interested in him in the summer. They thought uh, Inter's valuation was ridiculous um, he's now only got four months left on his contract and it's Inter's last chance to make any money from him. So we'll have to see if they um, they sell in between now and the end of this month.
5: OK. Alvaro, moment of the weekend. Well, my moment of the weekend is uh, the extra time of the game uh, between Villarreal and Girona because uh, Villarreal has corrected uh, their situation badly. I mean, Unai Emery left at, during the season. Quique Setién didn't have the best possible start, and Villarreal now hasn't lost a single a single game for, for five games in a row. And they are uh, level on points with Atlético de Madrid, and the moment of the weekend is the extra time of that game, because there was a penalty missed by Gerard Moreno. It, took everything 8 minutes then Girona had the goal disallowed and then there was another penalty for Villarreal and this time Gerard Moreno didn't want to take it it was Dani Parejo and uh, when the game was about to finish Dani Parejo just smashed the ball into the top corner
1: Ahí va Dani Parejo se lo mira vamos a ver si a la derecha si a la izquierda coge carrera golpea Parejo
5: and Villarreal won the game so they are in course to qualify for Champions League level on points with Atletico de Madrid and Villarreal after a turbulent season the manager left, they are back
1: Crikey, alright Let's start our round up all of the big news stories with Italy
0: This is the Totally Football Show part of the Athletic Podcast Network and sponsored by Life Score Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com It's over 18s only, please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org
1: yeah, dramatic news last Friday in Italy. a stangata for Juventus. The old lady given a 15-point penalty for capital gains accounting naughtiness. A penalty that no one saw coming, not least the prosecutor, who actually only asked for nine points. In the judgment, also 11 current or former Juve directors banned, including Fabio Paratici, currently at Tottenham Hotspur, and former Juve president Andrea Agnelli, James, four days on, we're still struggling to make sense of this.
4: And it feels like the entire Italian football community is struggling to make sense of it um, because there is shock. I mean, the Italian sports minister today has said, look, we need to see what the explanation for this is. Um, We're going to wait until the judge uh, basically gives his written reasons for um, the decision taken. They're obliged to publish it within 10 days of the sentence passing, and we're yet to see it. Um, but it was a shock because Juventus and the other clubs involved had already been cleared in this case last April, um, and the uh, federal prosecutor for the Italian Football Federation had appealed that decision. He'd lost that appeal. Um, and yeah, one of the reasons why they lost the case is because when it comes to valuing players. There is no standard metric um, that clubs use. Um, and in the Italian Football Federation's arguments in the case back in April, um, they revealed that they'd used Transfermarkt, the German website, to kind of benchmark the valuations in these mirror operations, swap deals, um, where they alleged inflated fees uh, against. Um, and obviously that that was found to undermine their case Um, and Friday's hearing was essentially allowing Giuseppe Guiné, the federal prosecutor, to appeal for his original appeal to be revoked on the grounds of new evidence Um, and it's believed that new evidence was gathered and given to him at his request from the criminal case which is is proceeding towards its first preliminary hearing um, at the end of March and yeah, Juventus' legal team feel that's inadmissible. I think they were citing European European lords to so say you can't be essentially tried for for something that you've already been cleared for. Um, so, yeah, uh, a lot of shock. And uh, one last point, James. You yeah, know, Juventus' chief executive, um, not the only one to kind of point out, hang on a minute, why are we the only club mm. uh, that's been punished when originally there were 10 other clubs implicated in the same case. Right. Um, and... There's kind of solidarity around the Italian football industry because they feel that if it could happen to Juventus, it could happen to them as well.
1: Well, it could, it could well do because there are other inquiries ongoing and this other evidence which has come in from the criminal inquiry, which I think, as you say, we're waiting to see the judges written reasoning. But the suggestion is that the amount of evidence that the police turned up including wiretaps and written records suggested that whilst it's impossible to prove that someone's deliberately inflated a uh, transfer fee for the for the sake of capital gains the fact that juve's directors had allegedly admitted it on wiretaps and talked openly about the fact that they were pumping up these figures to try to cover up all the, the the mess in their accounts that's why they they've been done but as you say we have to wait and see there is a the prisma inquiry about misrepresenting the, the accounts to the stock exchange. There's also a separate uh, footballing authority or sporting authority's inquiry into payments off the books, essentially, relating to reduction of wages over COVID. Just briefly, before we move on, to what extent is all this mess or alleged mess in Juve's accounts, does it date back to when they decided to essentially bet the farm on getting Cristiano Ronaldo in?
4: Well, look, they... Had been very prudently run uh, up until that point. Um, you know, remember the situation that Agnelli uh, inherited. This was a club that had finished seventh, that hadn't won anything since uh, Calciopoli. Um, it was a club that lacked appeal. Um, contrary to what people uh, think, Ventus has always been a kind of self sustaining club. It hasn't relied on shareholder um, checks in order to. Um, to go and sign players in the way that some of the big Milan clubs used to under Berlusconi and Moratti, um, so they, they couldn't appeal um, to to players. So they they signed freebies, most famously Pogba, uh, Pirlo. Um, you know they they had that 100 million transfer of Pogba, which they then reinvested. And look on the back of getting to those two Champions League finals in 2015 and 2017, um, they decided that they were close, that they wanted to speculate in order to accumulate, and they took a different strategy. Um, which was uh, to spend all of that Pogba money, for example, on two players, one of whom is uh, a favorite of Rafa's, Miralem Pjanic and, uh, and Gonzalo Higuain well um, and, and then they signed Cristiano, as you mentioned James, and they went on this expansion phase um, which was kind of in their business plan that Cristiano would help them uh, raise revenues, that they would win the Champions League um, and and they would They would close the gap between them and uh, the likes of Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, and the other uh, teams from the Premier League, who are yeah, let's be let's face it, so much richer than uh, than Juventus. The problem was was that the pandemic hit um, sort of six months into this plan, um, where they'd taken on all these costs, and yeah, that that put a lot of pressure on Juventus um, and and that business plan. Um, So they had to arrange another capital increase. (laughs) They did uh, two in the space of three years to the tune of 700 million euro. Um, And as Agnelli said, you know, back in March, they're very lucky to have a majority shareholder like Exor, which is the the kind of Agnelli family holding company um, that could afford to back them um, like that. Um, So so yeah, I would say, you know, taking on a player like Cristiano who was uh, more than 100 million in transfer fees, cost more than 50 million a year, um, just to kind of, you know, pay salary and amortize, yeah, that that's massive within a within the Serie A context. So certainly that decision to embark on a on a different business strategy which, you know, did have kind of Ronaldo as its poster boy, yeah, has has been a uh, a factor in this.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, well, we'll hear how Juve responded to that 15-point penalty on the field very shortly. Of course, they got that appeal uh, pending too. But uh, next up, it's the return of the Bundesliga.
0: This is the Totally Football Show, sponsored by LiveScore Bet. With Bet Builder from LiveScore Bet, you can combine markets from thousands of options to create your own bet on the biggest football fixtures in the Premier League, the Champions League, the EFL and around the world. So if you think you can successfully pick the first goal scorer, the final score, the total number of corners, and whether there'll be a red card, then use Bet Builder from LiveScore Bet to make up to 6 selections and get a single bet with the combined odds. Or if you can't make up your mind, you can choose from the pre-built quick bet options. Bet Builder from LiveScore Bet. Building a bet just got easier. Find out more at livescorebet.com or by downloading the LiveScore Bet app on Android and iPhone. It's over 18s only. Full account terms apply. And of course, please bet responsibly and be gamblerware.org.
6: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at
0: discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around.
1: Bundesliga's back, Rafa, with a bang. The highest-scoring match of the season so far, 41 goals. Friday night, first game back, was uh, leaders Bayern at RB Leipzig. That finished 1-1. I see, Eric maxim Chuba-Moting with his 12th of the season. And uh, Jan Sommer uh, debuting between the posts for Bayern. But after that, the goals began to flow. Freiburg, who were in second, went to Wolfsburg and lost 6-0. Köln or however they pronounced, met Werder Bremen and beat them 7-1. And they're facing Bayern next. And there was also that seven-goal game that you mentioned between Dortmund and Augsburg. What are you going to tell us about first?
2: Well, there's so much to talk about. So many goals, so many really good games. I think the biggest surprise in a way was the 6-0 defeat by Freiburg because they'd only conceded 17 goals so far. And here they are conceding six more, which is the biggest number of goals ever conceded in uh, the Christian Streich era, in 11 years. Uh, that shows you just how out of character that was. I mean, Wolfsburg have been playing really well. Nico Kovac, not always a firm favourite uh, of mine, but five wins in a row now. The team really functions well, very tough to play against. And it was one of those games where every shot is a, is a goal. And it was a similar story in the Köln game because they scored five in the first attempts against Werder Bremen. And the second half was one of those where both sides are quite happy and they just kind of wind down the clock. But um, Stefan Tigges, uh, that's worth seeing, is one of those where the goalkeeper comes out, clears the ball, and it lands directly at the feet of a Köln player. And he just calmly chips it from 45 meters into an empty net.
6: Tigges ball. it's time.
2: Very satisfying if you like that sort of thing, James. Mm. Um, and yeah, Dortmund. In terms of the narrative, or you know what, what the bigger picture? I think Dortmund's win is probably the most interesting game, in the sense that Iden terzic told me when I spoke to him in marbella I told everyone that you know he wants to have that. Dortmund experience back, the excitement, the, the drama, the, the team going for it, all the kind of stuff that they did so well under under Jurgen Klopp. But of course, with a sense of balance, with a sense of control. And Sunday's game against Augsburg was, was exactly the opposite. I mean, it did have all the excitement going forward and it was great to watch. But defensively, they were shamb- shambolic and it could have easily finished 4-4. And then we'd have a much bigger debate about, I think, Eden Terzic and where where Dortmund are going. They just about got away with it. And they scored some absolute wonderful goals. Gio Reyna's winner, probably the pick of the bunch. But uh, Jamie Bainu-Gittens came on, scored a beautiful goal. A reverse, Robin, if you will, cutting in on his right foot, curling it into the corner. Even the free kick was well executed when Schlotterbeck scored. And Jude Bellingham, absolutely incredible. He's been so good. Uh, yet again, scored a uh, fantastic goal. But you wonder, where's this defensive stability coming from? Salih Oshan was supposed to be the man protecting the back four. He had a really bad game as that holding six player. And the players in front of him don't defend very well. So still a big question mark over the Stortman team.
1: All right, They score lovely goals, though, and they've got Seb Halle back, as you mentioned, who's hopefully going to score some more, and Yusufa Mukoku Mukoku has uh, extended his contract until 2026. How old will he be in 2026, Rafa? (laughs) (laughs) Nice that he's sticking around, anyway. Freiburg absolutely want then by Wolfsburg. They dropped to fourth place, and moving up into second place, it's Eintracht Frankfurt, who beat Schalke 3-0. Schalke have now gone 36 consecutive away games without a win in the Bundesliga, as you know. Union are back up to third. And they've also signed Josip Juranovic out of Celtic, who had that brilliant World Cup for Croatia. Nice. Then you've got Freiburg, and then you got Dortmund in fifth. Further down, a big win for Xavi Alonso. That's their what, fourth, fourth straight victory. Uh, they beat uh, Mönchengladbach.
2: Yeah, Daniel Farkas, mentioned uh, Mönchengladbach, who are a little bit um, in disarray, I would say. Uh, there's stuff happening behind the scenes. They have lots of people out of contract. They lost their main keeper, of course, to Bayern. Uh, brought in a good-looking replacement, uh, good in the sense that um, he looks decent. No one has, is as quite good-looking physically as a, as a man, as a specimen at Jan Sommer. But um, the bigger issue is that there's going to be a lot of upheaval and the club don't look as if they're going to be qualifying for Europe at this point, which will make it very difficult to replenish the squad and and change things around. They're, um, They're drifting at the moment. And Leverkusen, their good run, I think, brings them back into the race for the European places, maybe even an outside chance of still making the Champions League if they continue like that. And the interesting thing is that Xabi Alonso has kind of played against his own principles so far by being very defensive and playing a lot of counter-attacking football. But I think he has realised that, uh, most importantly, he needs to get this team to work better defensively. They kept a lot of clean sheets, not in this game. They conceded two late goals, but uh, they've looked a lot more solid. It's come at the price of a bit of their technical, expensive football that we like to see. But it looks it looks as if it works at the moment. And once they have Florian Wiltz coming back, he missed this game, came on very late uh, after uh, feeling a bit of a flu or certainly an illness um, at the weekend. Then I think we might see a more Xabi esque team evolving, which is the hope.
1: And down at the bottom, Bockham's great escape is on. They've moved all the way up to 14th. They've also had four straight wins the bottom two, now Hertha and Schalke. Coming up, there's a midweek round. Uh, is the key game Rafa? Bayern's clash with high-scoring Kuhn? Yeah, well, the key game,
2: I think, is probably from Schalke's perspective their game against Leipzig because they've played a lot better against Frankfurt. They played with actually a bit of momentum coming out of this winter break. They look like one of the better sides. Unfortunately, they have a lack of quality to make all this good football count. If they somehow manage to beat Leipzig at home on Tuesday, I think they suddenly will find a bit of belief. And Thomas Reis, the manager, has been very clear. He says, we're not playing for the playoff spot. We're playing to stay in outright. So they need to get into into 15th place, ideally. And it does look pretty bleak at the moment with only nine points. But a win might just change perception and will get the crowd something to believe in.
1: All right, Rafa, lovely stuff. Next up, let's check in again on our pal James Horncastle and find out all the exciting things that have gone
6: on on field this weekend in Italy. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu.
0: You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson, sponsored by LifeScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LifeScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gamblerware.org. Uh, Danilo, anche, cioè, sì, però Yes, but va a disturb the barriera. Parte, Tocco di Di Maria. Danilo! 3-3! <laughs>
1: Sunday night, in City, out, fresh from a 15-point penalty. Juve, remember, had seen their top four spot taken away from them, replaced by Roma, that's what I call a capital gain. Now they had to try and pull themselves back (laughs) together for another comeback bid. (laughs) Starting off, though, with one of the toughest opponents around, Atalanta. How did this game go, James?
4: Well, it was a lot of fun. Um, You know, Atalanta scored 15 goals in their last three games in all competitions. Uh, They have um, gone from being quite a prudent team at the start of the season um, that accepted they no longer have Ilicic, Papu and Zapata. So let's play a little bit deeper, even try back four. Uh, Gasper's kind of said, "Ah, enough of all that. Let's just go back to what we know and be really attacking. And he's got this uh, really exciting young front three uh, with Rasmus Hojland, Ademola Lukman, um, who was great in this game. Uh, Luckman, who is into double figures. He's the second top scorer in Serie A. In fact, the two top scoring players in the league are uh, teammates from Nigeria, uh, Victor Osserman at Napoli and, and, and Luckman. And yeah, the other player is the mercurial Jeremy Boga. So um, they took the lead, they went behind. They took the lead again and then Juventus came back. Um, and you know, it was a game that in some respects was quite fitting because it was uh, dramatic. Not as dramatic as obviously what had happened on, on Friday night to Juventus, um, but you could sense the tension. Um, you could sense uh, how big the moment was um, for the players on the pitch. Manuel Cotelli afterwards was saying, look, it wasn't easy um, because you know, it's impossible not to be affected by what's going on around the club at the moment and yeah they started the night what 15 points off uh, fourth place um, so it's going to take something extraordinary uh, for Juventus to, to get back into the Champions League it might be that their best route is to win the Europa League um, at, at this stage um, but uh, we shall see, but it was a yeah, it was a fun six-goal thriller, James.
1: Certainly was. But Juve had had that rotten start to the season and then fought back to get all the way to second place. And uh, only a week before this judgment, were actually kind of battling to to be a real title contender again. Suddenly to find themselves not back to, to, to pick themselves up and go again is it's going to take a lot. Uh, elsewhere, top of the table, Napoli uh, on the weekend took what was by now a twelve-point lead to their local rivals, Salernitana who'd had a busy week themselves, James, firing their manager, uh, Davide Nicola, and then deciding to replace him with who?
4: Davide Nicola. <laughs> yeah, after, after Nicola, <laughs> he felt like he'd been harshly done by. Uh, he was sacked after an 8-2 defeat to Atalanta. And, you know, Nicola uh, is the Harry Houdini of Italian football. He saved um, Salernitana last year when they looked like they were uh, dead and buried. Um, and so it was kind of seen as ungrateful to get rid of him. Um, and, you know, after the Salernitana's owner, Daniele Iavolino, had kind of cast around and spoken to a few managers, um, I think he'd even uh, spoken to Rafa Benitez um, at one stage. Uh, Nicola thought, you know what? I'm going to call him myself and really kind of just pull at his heartstrings and see if he'll let me back. Take me back, Iavolino. And Iavolino uh, did. And uh, whilst they lost uh, to the league leaders Napoli, it was only by a two-goal margin. Um, you know, it wasn't by a six-goal margin uh, as as their defeat had been a, a week before. So progress looks um, mm. like a, new a manager bounce, decision. I call it. Yeah, there you yeah.
1: go. <laughs> very nice, very nice. All right. Well, Napoli benefiting further as, as we mentioned with Monday night's game, which saw uh, Inter defeated by Empoli. Milan will be playing on Tuesday night against Lazio. Uh, down the bottom end of the table, though, emotional scenes at Marassi in Genoa. Uh, Sam Doria said their farewell to uh, Gianluca Vialli, and uh, against a background of, a background of, of increasingly um, dramatic prospects for the club for this season.
4: Yeah, uh, it was a very uh, moving scene at Marassi. Uh, yeah, particularly to see Attilio Lombardo and some of the other uh, Samp players from the team that won the league. Um, with uh, Viali go before the Gradinata Sud, where the Sampdoria faithful kind of stand. Lombardo had his phone out. He had Mancini on FaceTime. He was showing him the choreography that uh, the Samp fans had put together, which had um, the words, Il tuo coraggio, la nostra forza, which is, your courage is our strength. And as you mentioned, James, um, Juventus are taking up all of the limelight right now. But as much attention should be focused on Sampdoria because Sampdoria are in serious financial trouble. Um, And yes, um, on the pitch, it looks like they're at risk of relegation. Um, But the fear is that uh, it could be even worse than that if there isn't a solution to their ownership problem um, at the moment. So, yeah, that is something to to keep an eye on because are. One of the great clubs, with uh, as Julian knows, you know, uh, when he whenever he goes to classic football shirts and picks a shirt for his his other podcasts, mm. um Sam has the best
3: shirt in.
1: Although world Jules Jules said that the best shirt was Roma, I think ninety four oh, ninety five. Yeah. That's what you said, Jules, on your Instagram.
3: Yeah, the classiest of all classic shirts. You know, there
1: you go. I'm not sure. I mean, but, I, was, I think I've all the one.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But all the nineties. italian shirt i'm
1: in italian shirts anyway currently sporting a Sampdoria shirt is harry winks who's finally seen some action in the last week or so he'd been plagued by injury uh, since his move on loan from spurs last august so yeah dramatic situation for him to be dropping into but as yet hasn't been able to turn things around particularly harry winks Sam losing 1-0 in his first start last weekend to Udinese. Mm. James, anything else you want to tell us about before you head off to get that article ready?
4: Well, uh, as this will come out on Tuesday, a um, yes. big game in Serie A tonight, um, which is Milan against Lazio. Um, so it's kind of down to Milan is to chase Napoli down at the moment. So, uh, So, yeah, tune into that.
1: Tune into that. Magnificent. All right, well, happy typing and we'll catch up with you
4: soon i I'm going to go and busk now, um, you know, so.
1: should mention that James has got a big beard and a woolly hat. And the suggestion was that he looked a little bit like badly drawn boy. All right, yeah, then. It's a badly
4: drawn comparison is why. Say,
1: yeah, Zing. All right, next up, ooh, it's a surprise.
6: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THE ATHLETIC and you'll get a one year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
0: This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network.
1: Kapt, and he's <laughs> nu for his linker. brings him richting the second PAAL, 2 MAU free. And there comes the goal! Ja! This is the Gleitmaker. And wie anders dan Klaassen? Ja, you think, ik hoor helemaal niks. Who had Eredivisie on their Totally Football Feno, Show Europe, Europe bingo? Me? I did. Okay, Eredivisie, Quick shout here. Uh, five points separating the top five. It's very tight at the top of the table. The order is a bit of a surprise. Ajax are down in fifth. And in first place, it's Feyenoord. Feyenoord, who faced Ajax this weekend. And those two teams drew, which is actually. The fifth game in a row that Ajax have finished level in. Remarkable. Uh, there you go. Uh, Ajax are actually winless in six league matches. Drama. Uh, ooh, Coupe de France, Jules. You told us about the uh, PSG against sixth division Pays de Cassel. And uh, what, what was the score there in the end? PSG won 7 nil.
3: 7 0. It was still nil nil after 28 minutes uh, against Pays de Cassel, as you said, sixth division. uh, playing at the Stade Bollard in Lens in front of 38,000 fans. uh, Pied Cassel is a a team that is like basically, like five years ago, they merged a few teams from villages in the north of France, near Calais, not far from Calais. That's their team. They're fighting to go up to the fifth division. But for them to play against PSG was like, like winning the lottery, like the goalkeeper said. It's actually the second time he was playing against PSG. He played against Ibra and PSG when he was in another club before. And it was just about they knew they would they were not going to win, and it was just about enjoying the day and making the most of it. And they certainly did.
1: All right, their captain, as well was one of the team who's a, a big PSG fan, and was it him yeah. who was saying that if Mbappe's through on goal, do I tackle him or not? Because PSG have got Bayern Munich coming up in the Champions League, and I don't want to do him an injury.
3: Um, to be, I mean, yeah, he's part of the ultras as well, he's a, he's a huge fan. To the point that in one of the previous rounds of the cup, when when they pulled another upset, uh Pete Cassel, him and another player in the team who is also a PSG Ultra didn't 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 stick around for the celebration. As soon as the game was over, they literally didn't even shower, took their car and drove all the way to the Par de Prince to 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 be at the classic against Marseille with the, the PSG Ultra. So they yeah, the the love is the love is real there and and it was just—it was just a night where PSG were too good, especially the, the a very strong team that Galtier put out with Kylian Mbappé as a captain for the first time ever, uh, from from the start of a game, of an official game. He's powerful. He's quick. In the, for the center, and two five for Mbappé. And he scored five goals as well, which means that he's only four goals behind the records holder as the all-time top goal scorer for the club, which is Edison Cavani with 200 goals. So Kylian is on 196, so very soon now he's going to be the all-time top goal scorer.
1: Gotcha. Sixth tier opposition as well for Lyon. Laurent Blanc's Lyon, who got a win. 3-0 against Chambory. Were there any
3: upsets, Jules, in the Coupe de France? Not this round, which is very disappointing, Mm. especially that every time we say how great the uh, French Cup is because of all the upset and how strong the lower league teams are, blah, blah, blah. Not this time. The remaining team uh, is Vierzon uh, in the center of France, who are in the fourth division, who are still in it and who will be at home to Grenoble uh, from the second division. So I think they have a chance to go through. But apart from them, it's only Ligue 1 mostly and then a few Ligue 2 teams. But... Yeah, not as many upset this time around.
1: Next weekend, Ligue 1 will be back, and Marseille-Monaco. Jules looks tasty. Third against fours.
3: Yeah, the derby. We've got big games coming up now between the end of Jan and February, where PSG have a have a hectic. Just before we we talk about the the Marseille-Monaco game, PSG will have Marseille in the, as we mentioned in the cup then they will go to Monaco in the league then there's the Bayern Munich game at home the first leg then I think it's Lille at home and then Marseille away so they've got a hectic February and for Marseille it's it's pretty similar as well starting with Monaco as you said in the uh, Mediterranean Derby uh, which is a game that you know Marseille played against Rennes on Friday and won which was a, a big cup tie this week they played really well they keep their winning streak on uh, and they're trying to sign new players they went in for Leandro Trossard who who then went to Arsenal of course they like Illich from Hellas Verona uh, but I don't think they're they're the only one and and Tere Mofi from Lorient as well again they're not the only one so a lot of good things around Marseille right now but that game against Monaco is huge especially for Monaco as well who are going to try to make a push towards the top three
1: very good All right, Jules many thanks next up La Liga Right, Alvaro, in Spain, the top five all won. Sevilla got a massive win in their relegation dot fight with Cadiz. And Antoine Griezmann destroyed Real
5: Valladoid. On his own, yeah, completely. And uh, the assist to Alvaro Morata was fantastic by him. The goal he scored was the kind of goal that Simeone wants for Anto- from Antoine Griezmann as well, because the side at the minute is lacking plenty of goal scoring uh, threat and Antoine Griezmann obviously a step up and uh, he provided one half assist to Mario Hermoso, another one to Álvaro Morata, then he scored the goal and it was a good afternoon for Atletico de Madrid ahead of uh, a Madrid derby against Real Madrid in the Spanish Cup but uh, the form of Antoine Griezmann from October onwards, basically from the moment that he could play 90 full minutes, has been fantastic and uh, you know Atletico de Madrid is benefiting from it a lot, a lot, a lot. He's wearing
1: pink hair now. He says, it shows how happy I am. He also debuted on a Spanish NFL coverage on Sunday <laughs>
5: nights. Yeah, because uh, you, you should know that Antoine Griezmann is a, is a man of many different... Uh, passions, and I think that the whole American continent is something that fascinates him. I mean, he likes NBA a lot, as you uh, can probably corroborate. Uh, He likes NFL, and uh, with his Uruguayan mates, he has created a very strong bond as well. You can see him drinking mate, which is something that the Uruguayans and the Argentinians do a lot. So yeah, he's a character. He's a character. He loves American sports, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, uh, he's a colorful man, not only um, with his hair choices.
1: Mm, Indeed. Uh, Only the second win in seven games for Atletico Madrid. Uh, That against uh, Real Valladolid. Uh, But they picked up Memphis Depay from uh, Barcelona.
5: Yeah, I cannot think of any player who looks um, more unsuited for a Simeone (laughs) system than uh, a solo artist like Memphis Depay. A player who doesn't want the ball on the space, who does his runs only when he senses that It makes sense for him to do it Uh, with Simeone. It's a totally different thing. You know about that. Um, You have to fight, first of all, and then you have to play. But Atletico got a player for a very good good price. That's for sure. Mm, It was... Less than three million pounds uh, for each one and a half year, uh, year contract. Atletico needed some firepower up front, that's for sure, because Mateus Cunha left, because Luis Suarez left in the summer. And I really want to see how uh, Simeone and Memphis marry up because some other players with ego or maybe without the work ethics that Simeone demands uh, haven't worked at Atletico de Madrid. Memphis looks doomed. I want to see that if at the age of 28, as he is now, he will be ready just to step up and to add that extra energy to, to his game. But I find it very unlikely, personally.
1: Mm. It's an interesting move. Uh, ahead of them, Barcelona stayed on top with a 1-0 win over Getafe. Real Madrid in second place still after beating Athletic Club de Bilbao 2-0. Karim Benzema again. Karim the dream!
5: There you he go. is the dream this time. Great goal. Great goal. He has scored many goals after the World Cup and uh, he has uh, level with Raúl in La Liga scoring charts, which is not easy, obviously, because Raúl did that uh, and it looked like when he did it, nobody was going to take over Raúl in the coming future and in the space of 15 years, Cristiano Ronaldo and then Karim Benzema have surpassed uh, Raúl. So, yeah, good goal from Karim Benzema, that's for sure. His volley wasn't easy in Bilbao because he had to basically be more clever than anyone, step back inside the box and... uh, Send the ball on the left of Unai Simón, an impossible trajectory for the Spanish goalkeeper. And a beautiful goal by Karim Benzema, a good display by Real Madrid, by the way, because in the last 135 minutes of football, Real Madrid has corrected their situation. They were losing 2-0 to Villarreal in the Spanish Cup by the half-time. They managed to come back in that game. They win 3-2. And then they had another difficult game in Bilbao. And I know that there are caveats there. Athletic Club Bilbao didn't have Geray and Inigo Martínez, who are the centre-backs that, who normally start. Real Madrid also had um, absences. And um, with uh, some fringe players, like for example Dani Ceballos, like for example Nacho, Camavinga playing as a hold- holding midfielder. Good game of Camavinga, by the way. Real Madrid managed to win in Bilbao. Of course, the firepower of Athletic Club Bilbao is non existing right now. Real Madrid didn't suffer a lot. But then when they had to score the goals, they did score the goals. Karim Benzema first, and then Toni Kroos, he played only 10 minutes. But that was enough for him to to score a goal. And Real Madrid is in a better situation right now. They are still three points away from Barcelona. And let's not forget that Barcelona has 44 points. And if they win the next two games against Girona and Betis, they will match Arsenal, they will match Napoli as sides who have gotten 50 points in the first half of the season. So Real Madrid is close to that Barcelona side. So, you know, despite uh, the injury of Karim Benzema, despite, you know, perhaps some uh, relaxation after winning the Champions League and La Liga, Real Madrid, uh, I would say that they are back in the right time because they are playing against Atletico de Madrid, a Madrid derby in the cup quarter final this week.
1: All right. And they've got uh, Liverpool, of course, in the Champions League again. Uh, not too far away from now in a month or so. Down the bottom end then Alvaro, I touched on that huge game for Sevilla against uh, Cadiz uh, one with that ever so tense last minute Ivan Rakitic penalty.
5: Yeah, he did score it, Uh, Rakitic uh, step up, he did it in a very nervy game for Sevilla it was so tense that uh, Sevilla got the goal ruled out in the first half and Monti doing a Munchy thing, went down to the touchline just to complain. He just kicked a bottle on the floor, you know, as we have seen some managers do in the past. And, you know, you could feel the tension. Sevilla knows that for them to escape relegation as soon as possible as they have done this weekend, they have to become a strong uh, unity at home and they have won back-to-back games at home which they didn't do this season up to this point. And it was a very important win for Sevilla. I think that they will suffer this season. It's still to be seen whether... And Nesiri will continue in the team or not. And Nesiri did a great World Cup. But then at Sevilla, he doesn't have so many good numbers. They say that there is an offer from Nice just to get the Moroccan player. And Sevilla could be happy to let him go for uh, some in the region of 20, 22 million. So, you know, I think that Sevilla has many uncertainties. But three points are very important right now for this side. Because, as I said a couple of weeks ago, they seem not to have the right squad to qualify for Europe this season. And avoiding relegation right now is a must. Okay, well, they move up to 14th place with that victory.
1: Anything else you want to tell us from Spanish football, Alvaro?
5: Very quickly, I think that the trophy ceremony in the Spanish Super Cup was a Mm -hmm. little bit of a joke Uh, in the Spanish Women's Super Cup. Because you know that the Spanish Men's Super Cup is played in Saudi Arabia and there is a lot of money going on in there. Real Madrid and Barcelona, they are getting a lot of money just from taking part in that tournament, that, as it comes to men's football. But uh, the women's side of Barcelona won the Super Cup final, and it didn't look good that the very players had to get to a table where the medals were, and they had to pick their own medal. You know, in the Spanish Super Cup, you see Rubiales, the Spanish FA president, just hanging the medals to the players but here the players have to go and pick the medals and that caused a little bit of a controversy in Spain because there's a Spanish, the Spanish FA said that the ground didn't meet the requirements just to put a platform on the pitch and uh, make a ceremony and all that but it is the very federation, the one that chooses uh, which ground the final has to be played in.
1: Yeah, it, it was extraordinary, there was a little side table beside the picture, it was a bit like when I don't know when you're at school and you go to pick up your packed lunch or something like that they just something queued like up that. picked up the thing from a box and then were ushered away it, it
5: reminded me of uh, you know when you're a kid and you have to register for a local football tournament in a town and you go there with some ideas with your mates and uh, and you go there and you do it in a very, very friendly way but very informal way as well mm. and uh, you know I think that sometimes a little bit of solemnity is good as well, especially in a trophy ceremony and the Spanish FA should, uh, should work on that.
1: OK. Who did Barcelona beat in the Spanish Super Cup?
5: Real Sociedad, 3-0 for Barcelona. Ooh.
1: there you go. That's another whirlwind tour around the weekend's Continental News. Of course, we'll be back next Tuesday for more of the same. For now, though, it's many, many thanks to James Horncastle. Looking forward to reading his full explanation of the extraordinary events in Turin on theathletic.com Julian Laurent, Raphael Honigstein Avro Romeo, producer Charlie and new listener. Do join us again soon, we're back on Thursday with a regular show. Have a lovely time until then, from all of us here it's goodbye
0: You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of The Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com totally. The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by LiveScore Bet. Get the latest football betting odds at livescorebet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. The Athletic